0: hey thanks so much for listening to hometown stories it means a lot to us if you like what you hear we'd love it if you shared us with a friend left us a review or subscribed to hometown stories that way you basically get first dibs as soon as we release a new episode you can also email us at hometownstories at wdbj7.com we'd love to hear your hometown story okay now let's get back to the episode Recently, Martha Burford took to the streets of Lexington, Virginia, in praise.
1: I asked if people could hear me screaming down the street. They're like, yeah, we heard you.
0: (laughs) It's so exciting. It's so amazing. The reason for this joy, an organ transplant, the likes of which this town hasn't seen for a long time.
2: Yeah, I never never had that kind of welcome.
0: that's that must very be nice.
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely a little bit intimidating but it's okay <laughs> i can handle it
0: all the way from quebec the special delivery takes precise and detailed work to get just right but when it's ready it's set to infuse fresh life in a very special way
3: i think the organ coming is really going to put a heart into the church <laughs>
0: this episode of Hometown Stories, reporter Bruce Young brings us to Lexington, Virginia, where the seemingly mundane carries a tune and a story from the past. Every
3: story eventually comes down to the individual and the people and the person. And you know, when, when people are, are doing things that are just kind of interesting, that to me is a story.
0: Lexington, Virginia is a small town of about 7,000 people small enough to be quaint, but with enough history and activity to make it kind of unique. It's home to two universities, and it holds stories of the founding of our nation, as well as prominent people and places of the Civil War.
3: Lexington is a place that is very deeply enveloped with history, it, it, there's no getting out. It looks, even the town itself, remains such that they have made movies there about the 19th century simply by pouring dirt on the roads.
0: Movies like Summersbee, Field of Lost Shoes, and Gods and Generals. And this quaint college town turned occasional movie set is the longtime home of my colleague and friend
3: Bruce Young. I am the Lexington Bureau reporter for WDBJ7 in beautiful Lexington, Virginia. And um, as a matter of fact, the the story I often tell is that uh, if you look at my business card, I'm described as the Lexington Bureau chief, which I did as a joke when I first applied. No one's ever called me on it. My staff loves me.
0: also went to school here back in the day at Washington and Lee, so he's well-versed on local history.
3: The founding of the town is back in the early parts of the 18th century. With a land grant, it drew — George Washington was one of the people that actually originally surveyed the area uh, when in his pre-military career.
0: Thomas Jefferson passed through here, too. Later, Thomas Stonewall Jackson taught at the Virginia Military Institute. After his death while at war, his body was buried in a local cemetery. Robert E. Lee is buried here too. He survived the war and was convinced to become president of what was then Washington College until his death in 1870.
3: And when he came to Lexington, there was Grace Episcopal Church uh, right there adjacent to the then Washington College campus. Literally, I don't know, 100 yards from his front door in the house that they had built. And uh, being again, being Robert E. Lee and being the president of the university, he became the president of the the Vestry, the committee that ran the church, and would uh, attend services, obviously, there.
0: So despite having a knack for historical narrative, Bruce actually spent many years as a professional photographer. The earlier part of his career often brought him to the White House. And while he had fun chasing the big stories, these days it's history and people and the stuff that doesn't usually make the headlines that captures his attention.
3: That, that's an instant draw for me. Sometimes it's not good for TV news, but it's an instant draw for me.
0: <laughs> so when Bruce learned that a historic downtown church, this Grace Episcopal Church, was getting a new pipe organ, he was drawn in.
3: That's a, that's a real challenge when you think about it.
0: Honestly, I had never really thought about it. I guess I was used to pipe organs sort of being part of the backdrop to childhood Sunday school and those hymns everyone sang along to off key. But for this church and this community, this was a challenge years in the making.
1: You know, this has been seven years in the making. Simon Couture is the vice president of the company and he came here seven years ago. It's been that process of relationship and curating It's exciting, it's so exciting.
0: That's Martha Burford, the Minister of Music at Grace Episcopal Church. She's been part of the church's effort to renovate and restore itself in more ways than one.
3: It's it's this big, gray, stone, gothic church, I mean, building, tall, narrow steeple and a big rose window. Uh, Inside, it's uh, lots of dark wood. And uh, now that they've been restoring it, a lovely altar area with this kind of half circle with a bright brass rail. And in the back, they've they've been putting a lot of work in bringing back that had stenciling uh, in that kind of Victorian way with all sorts of elaborate patterns.
0: The physical restoration to a more original look, obviously has been a lot of work. It has come after restoration of the church's original name in 2017, reverting it back to Grace Episcopal Church after more than a hundred years as Robert E. Lee Episcopal Church. And so here we are, 2021, the years-long restoration work is wrapping up, and among the final installments, a brand new pipe organ to replace the old one which church leaders say was in the habit of making unfortunate sounds as of late.
3: But at, at Grace they actually uh, they went up to a company up in Quebec and actually had them make in the old-fashioned way who knew that there's someone up in Quebec still actually hammers out pipes and things but they actually make the traditional brass and wood pipes and ship them all down here and, and put it in it was it was really something to see it just coming out of the truck
0: and that company is called Cassavant's frère Cassavant for short. Apologies for that terrible pronunciation. In my defense, I studied Spanish. Casavant itself was founded in 1879. And as Bruce explains, making a pipe organ and then getting it to its final destination is a process in and of itself. One that Casavant has gotten down to a science after 140 some odd years in the biz.
3: They make it, they put it all together in Quebec. They check everything and play it. Then they tear it all down into its component parts. They load it in, it's an entire semi to get all the parts down here. That's, I mean, the whole load was nothing but pipe organ in the semi, which needs, because Lexington being the historic little town we talk about, to get this truck up to the church requires a police escort to get it through the roads, the little narrow roads.
0: So recently, when the truck was making its way off the interstate and into Lexington, the church was ready.
3: Okay, I think I get it. Hi,
0: Margaret. <laughs> Good morning. A group of congregants and staff wait outside for its arrival after clearing out all the pews in the sanctuary. Swing, swing
2: around.
0: Yeah, around like this. me to the wall. Martha and her cohort start to get a little antsy. But finally, they see that police escort followed by an enormous truck called Splendor. truck finally comes to a stop as Martha and the group gather round. And as workers open up the back of the truck, the choir breaks out into a rendition of Oh Canada, but replacing Canada with Casa Van. Martha has her phone held high to capture this moment on video and occasionally bursts into a high-pitched, glee-ridden combustion of joy.
1: I asked if people could hear me screaming down the street. They're like, yeah, we heard you. (laughs) It's so exciting. It's so amazing. And we love that it came in on a truck named Splendor. And this morning I texted the vice president of the company, can we sing O Casavent rather than O Canada? And he said, yes, of course. And he thanked us for singing to the crew, bringing it in.
2: I <laughs> never had that kind of welcome. <laughs> That's that must very. Be nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A little bit intimidating, but it's okay. <laughs> I can handle it.
0: That's Bruce chatting with Fabian Tremblay, head installer at Casavant. He's been with the company more than 20 years and knows a thing or two about the pipe organ. It's an incredibly old instrument, which historians suggest goes back to ancient Greece. Tremblay says some of the earliest pipe organs were actually small and portable.
2: It was all under pressure, air going through a pipe. That's the principle, the basic principle. And then with all the technologies in time, they increase and they, we reach what we have today with computers. And uh, it's basically the same machine, but way
3: much more complicated. The guys, when they were putting it in, I was like, well, how big is this? They're like, eh, it's a medium-sized one. So what's that? 3,600 pipes. That's medium. That's medium.
0: One day at work, I went on a YouTube rabbit hole of pipe organs. Like, I'm not kidding. So I learned a lot, okay? So when you hit a key on the keyboard, the instrument releases air up and through a specific pipe or pipes, thus giving you sound. And as long as you keep your finger on that key, The sound doesn't let up. In my mind, I kind of think of it as like a mega flute you play exclusively with your hands and feet. Back to Grace now, as Fabian gets right to work with his assembled crew to begin removing organ parts from the truck and moving it into the sanctuary.
3: Imagine the world's most nightmarish IKEA project. It's just like... (laughs) Everywhere. Everywhere. And every kind of bit and piece you can imagine. And he's, while they're carrying this in, he's trying to keep in his head which part goes before which other part. In the beginning,
2: then. Yeah, bring this uh, in the front. And put the blankets on this.
3: So he's trying to lay them out all around this. And this is not a small church all around here which part goes there so that he can get that and it won't be in the way of this when he has to get the other thing to put it all in i'm already
2: i'm already in the process of assembling you know this goes first you know it's all it's part of the process instead of looking for some pieces you know where is it you have to sort all this
0: meanwhile martha is just beside herself. The biggest smile never leaves her face.
1: You know, we're called as followers of Jesus to tell the truth and reconcile and be bridge builders and heal and music does that viscerally and deeply and so we have this amazing instrument and space being revamped to share truths and stories and We're working collaboratively with other music groups in the area already to bring programs and rich traditions of different sorts into this space and share this. This isn't for grace, it's
3: for Everybody.
0: That includes college students like Michael McLaughlin and Jonathan Kloss, who were there to see the truck arrive, too.
3: So we're both music scholars at Grace Episcopal. I'm taking organ lessons through Washington Lee, and I know that this organ will be open to me for lessons and for practice, which is great because I won't have to travel far to practice and get my uh, practice hours logged. I play the organ a little bit, and this is really a state-of-the-art, a wonderful organ. And we're gonna have it for, you know, 50, 75 years where it's going to be the heart of the church, as Michael said.
0: So I don't know how long you would guess a pipe organ would take to install, but it's like way longer than I would have guessed. And that is just half the job of getting it ready to play.
3: Yeah, two weeks take to put it together. That's just putting it together. Then two other guys come down from Quebec, and they're all about the sound. So they show up, and they have various little wrenches and tools and things. And they first get the pipes to get in the general vicinity of the notes that they're supposed to be. And then they they do what they call voicing.
0: Sebastian Cardos is part of the duo that works to make sure the pipe organ not only looks good, but more importantly, sounds good. It's tedious work because every room, every church is different, and you have to account for those unique acoustics.
2: There's a crew who built the, the organ here in the side, but there's a difference between voicing and tuning. So tuning, it's only a small, 10% 10% of our work so it's only to reach the pitch very simple but voicing it's uh, more complicated so voicing it's to reach each pipe you know to reach uh, the, the tone the color the good attack the the, the, the precision of the attack and uh, so uh, in relation with the stop we have and in relation with the acoustic we have too so it's uh, it's a very monastic work to do. So, so we have to uh, give the the best quality for each pipe, so the best sounds and uh, the best organ.
3: And you can hear them. And you hear them when they when they hit. So they'll hit one note, and and the other guy, one guy will be at the keyboard hitting one note. The other guy will be up in the in the rack where the pipes are with this little thing. You hear this thing kind of go and then he goes on to the next one.
0: That's him tuning. He's
3: up there tuning. He's, he's literally physically changing the way the, the pipe is configured up in, in where all the pipes are.
0: The guy up in the pipe rack is Jean-David Lupien.
4: So he was playing like a tone scale because it's that's the way it's, it's set inside the organ. So he knows what notes play and I just follow with my tuning stick every pipe and so when I want to tune one pipe he plays two at the same time he plays the pipe that is not on tune that I want to tune and he plays a reference pipe at the same time that we previously tuned uh, that we would call a reference uh, stop so he plays those two note two notes together and I will hear if if it's perfectly tuned, I will hear that it's perfectly on tune. But usually it's not, so we you, we hear a wave. So maybe you noticed it earlier. We hear that wave. So the more it's out of tune, the more that wave is fast. So with my tuning stick, I will. Uh, place a tuning sleeve. Uh, each flue pipe has a tuning sleeve on the top of it or a tuning scroll which is behind like those facade pipes. We don't want sleeves on them so there's tuning scrolls at the back of it that we don't see. So these are made to adjust the length of the pipes so the longer the pipe the, 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 the flatter the note. The shorter the pipe the, 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 sharp, the sharper the, the, the tone.
0: And so it goes for several days, until keys become notes and notes become song, and Sebastian and Jean-David make sure the organ and the room are getting along nicely.
1: Music really matters to people around here and there's a hunger for it. And we really wanna keep building Lexington.
0: Even before Sebastian and Jean David got here, Martha and the church leaders have been planning. Because they insist this amazing instrument isn't just for the church, it also belongs to the community.
1: We're having a series of programs over the next couple of years already in gear. There will be students playing, there are going to be people coming, and like one of the things we're going to do in March is have a program with the organ as presider, preacher, and storyteller and it's going to involve people from the African-American tradition telling stories. It's going to involve a student film student at Washington and Lee. Nolan Zunk is going to do a film montage that the organ will accompany and it's going to be amazing and we're bringing in Dr. Brandon Boyd in a couple of months who's going to be sharing African-American music and tradition and how we can respectfully and share our stories that way, it's just, it's amazing. Music really is a way we can build bridges.
0: It's a microcosm in and of itself, right? Like this one church with this one pipe organ, but to you, I mean, what, A, initially drew you to that story and what do you think that this particular renovation project in the history of this church do you find that it has any larger significance?
3: It attracted me, as many stories do, more just for the, the people aspects of it. I've spent a lot of time doing big picture stories. I worked in Washington for a long time. I was always fascinated by politics and national politics and that sort of thing. And worked a lot on that, and that was fine. But it's as time has gone on and as I've come down here, I've become more and more interested in the intriguing individual or group of individuals and the very the personal uh, as as stories and I think in many ways those stories are as important and certainly are important to those people every story eventually comes down to the individual and the people and the personal and, and you know when when people are, are doing things that are just kind of interesting that to me is a story
0: a story about an organ transplant, and what it sounds like with the past, the present, and the future. Strike a chord. Special thanks to Bruce Young for hanging out in the weeds with me. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or anything else you want people to know?
3: I I think (laughs) I've... Trailed off into secondary stories and uh, (laughs) obscure bits of history.
0: Talk about Bruce! We need a whole day. Hometown Stories is a production of WDBJ Seven in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written by me, Leanna Annuskachetti, and co-produced with Bruce Young. Our editor is Ben Raquelmi. We'll see you next time.
3: Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive. Because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville and Grandin.